Welcome to a special episode of Fear Not, the podcast that tells us why we're afraid of all the wrong things and oblivious to what can actually kill us. This week, Trump goes all racist, or does he? Barry and I break down Trump's tweets in his press conference where he told the squad of Congresswomen to love it or leave it, and he meant America. That and no more, just that, and it's coming up on Fear Not. Today is gonna be a good day. Don't care what anybody else say. Oh, I don't need a budget cookie to tell me the way I'm feeling. Gonna be a good day. A good day. Welcome back to Fear Not. I'm Alonzo Bowden here with my co-host, Dr. Barry Glasner, the world's foremost expert on fear. We have a special episode. You see, we didn't want to pass up the chance to dig into a great example of why everyone, everyone needs to resist fear-mongering. So we're going to dissect the war between President Trump and the so-called squad, the four new congresswomen who Trump challenged to stop hating America or go back to the countries they came from. Which is interesting because three of them were born here in the good old U.S. of A. So uh, either he wants them to go home to a country they aren't from or he just wants them to stay here. I've spent my career studying how and why people use fear to manipulate us. And this week, the fearmonger in chief, Mr. Trump, has been busy using lots and lots of fear. Now, next week, we'll be back to our regular format. So let us know what's making you nervous so we can help you figure out whether you should fear or fear not. We're on Twitter at FearNotOfficial, or you can email us at FearNotOfficial at gmail.com. Send us your questions, and while you're there, subscribe so you know when our episodes post. And for those of you who are really on top of Fear Not podcasts and you listen right away like everybody should, be sure to catch Alonzo this weekend on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR on July 20, 21st, and around there all over the country. Check local listings, as they say. Let's get started. Our headline today, Trump versus the squad. Here's the backstory. Last Sunday, while most of you were in church or you were nursing a hangover, our beloved president was busy tweet storming about everything that's wrong with the Democratic Party. And he used as his objects of focus four congresswomen of color who are affectionately called the squad. They are, by name, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Elon Omar, Ayanna Presley, and Rashida Tlaib. One of them's a naturalized citizen who was born in Somalia, but all the other three were born in the U.S. They're all U.S. citizens. They kind of have no country other than the U.S. to go home to. These four women have been in Congress for less than a year, but they've gotten more press than pretty much any other members of Congress other than Speaker Pelosi herself. So this Sunday, Trump decided to go pour some gasoline on the immigrant fire that he's been stoking for some time. Now, here are a few excerpts from his tweets that started at 8.27 a.m. Washington time on Sunday. So interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world, now loudly and viciously telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run. Why don't they go back and help fix their totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came, then come back and show us how it's done? I'm sure Nancy Pelosi would be very happy to quickly work out free travel arrangements. 
Well, those tweets, they led to a hailstorm of complaints, mostly from Democrats, saying that they're racist and asking for Trump to be called out for being a racist. Okay, so then on Monday at 6.54, Trump tweeted this. If Democrats want to unite around the foul language and racist hatred spewed from the mouths and actions of these very unpopular and unrepresentative congresswomen, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We all know that AOC and this crowd are a bunch of communists. They hate Israel, they hate our own country, and they accuse people who support Israel as doing it for the Benjamins. They're anti-Semitic. They're anti-America. What does it mean for America to have free health care for illegal immigrants? No criminalization of coming into our country. Alonzo, what do you think? Is there enough fear-mongering to start off the new uh, work week there? Well, these are fighting words. I've been studying fear-mongers for a long time, and I've never seen anyone who's able to achieve so much of what he's after by fear-mongering. So let's get to the press event itself. After a 20-minute speech making nice to his guests and touting his economic success, as he always does. He took questions from the press. And, of course, the first question was about him calling out the squad. And at first, he was on the defensive. Well, I don't mention, I didn't mention names, and uh, I didn't do that. That's disingenuous at best. He didn't mention names, but he said the progressive Democratic congresswomen, which in and of itself is fear-mongering for large segments of the U.S. population, just using that language. The cowardice of not backing up your statement when you're called out, oh, I didn't mention names, that's a punk move. You know who he was talking about. And then Trump went on. If you're not happy here, then you can leave. As far as I'm concerned, if you hate our country, if you're not happy here, you can leave. That's classic And that's what I say all the time. That's what I said in a tweet, which I guess some people think is controversial. A lot of people love it, by the way. A lot of people love it. But if you're not happy in the U.S., if you're complaining all the time, very simply, you can leave. You can leave right now. There's so much here. Everything he said, the the first part of everything he said about how bad they are, how evil they are, how they... He could have been talking about himself. That's a good point. And you know what Trump's doing here? This is a standard technique. He's turning reformers into whiners and complainers. And, you know, it's kind of funny when you think about it. Trump's own slogan, Make America Great Again, that's a complaint. It says that America was great, but it's no longer great. So he's demonizing his opponents for working for change. In his tweet storm, he said that AOC had, quote, hate for her country, for stating an opposing belief. As for that go back to where you came stuff, that's a long running racist demand. It also happens to be unlawful, by the way, in many arenas in the US. The EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, has guidelines that include as an example that they point right out of unlawful harassment based on national origin. Specific example they give, and I'm quoting, comments like, go back to where you came from. It's illegal. You can't say that in work settings. If you do that, you can be fired. You can be sued for making comments like that about your coworkers or people you supervise. Researchers have documented that go back to your country is one of the most common phrases uttered during hate incidents. Okay, I, I got to jump in here. For one thing, this thing about AOC hating her country because she complains. Again, I'll go back to when Barack Obama was president, when 
Fox News, the 24-7, all they did was complain about the government. So did they? any of them have to leave? Did any of them have to stop? Did they hate their country? No, they claimed they were loving their country by complaining. I mean, again, it's just this total flip. And the go back where you came from. The problem with this is, as you said, it's an, a rule from the Equal Employment Agency, et cetera, et cetera. And, and these are the kind of rules that the Trump administration has destroyed, right? right? Any kind of labor protection, fairness, et cetera, et cetera. This Justice Department is not going to prosecute. I mean, he's not above the law. He just ignores it. And he's never called out on it. So, yeah, when you go around, go back where you came from. It's a cheap insult. It's an ignorant insult. You know, that that would that would send a lot of white people back to Europe, various countries. And, you, you know, what I mean, these people seem to have forgotten you weren't born here either. Native Americans would be the only ones. And I'm sure they'd be happy to tell you, yeah, go back where you came from. Give us our land back. It's an insult. It is obviously racist. And again, they, they twist it around and say, oh, no, no, we're not being racist. You just hate America, so you shouldn't be here. You hated America for eight years. For eight years, they hated America, and none of them left. And, you know, when I was hearing him say this, I was thinking, where do I go back to? On one side of my family, it's kind of clear. They came from part of uh, what is now a little part of Russia. The other side, we don't really know where they came from. You know, I hate to tell you this, Barry, but judging by 23andMe and Ancestry.com, we would actually have to slice up a lot of white people. We would just have to cut them up, and we're going to send one arm to Germany, and then we're going to send a leg to Ireland, and then we're going to send your trunk to England. It's utterly ridiculous at this point, you know. Just Puerto Rico? Puerto Rico, if you go there, I've been to the island, you don't know where Puerto Ricans came from. There is everything in Puerto Rican Puerto Rico from blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white Puerto Ricans to black Puerto Ricans. So if, if AOC went back to where she came from, right, which is Puerto Rico, which, by the way, is territory of the United States, but Trump didn't know that when he was throwing them paper towels, what, she, what would she be? What would she be if she went back there? I, I don't even know. Exactly. And to that point, Alonzo, on Tuesday, when Huffington Post reporters asked dozens of members of Congress whether someone has ever told them to go back from wherever they came from, nearly every minority lawmaker said yes. And guess what? Every white lawmaker said no. And here's a quote. I've been told many times to go back to China, even though I'm of Japanese descent, because people are prone to stereotypes. That's what Representative Mark Takano of California said. Well, that's no accident. I mean, it's, it's trying to make you an other, trying to make you feel like you don't belong. You know what, what I take from this that's good? Dozens of members of Congress who were ethnic minorities. And, and right. that dozens is going to turn into hundreds. And that's what they're afraid of, that there are more and more people of, of different descent, of different national origin are here in the United States, right? The country is changing from a all-white or predominantly white country. And Congress slowly, very slowly, is reflecting that change. So good. Yeah, I'm glad there are dozens of people in Congress being told, go back where you came from. And I hope every one of them says, oh, yeah, I'm from Orange County. Yeah, I'm from Kansas. Oh, me? I'm from Texas. Oh, I'm from New Jersey. But that's how they should respond. Like, yeah, I'm, I go back there every week in between, you know, arguing with you idiots. The one, the one constant in racism is ignorance. You, it just comes up all the time. So when you go to a Japanese man, 
and you tell him to go back to China, you know, he just looks at you like, could you at least find out, like at least find out before you insult somebody? And what are you going to tell black people? Because I don't know where in Africa my people come from. Maybe they could help me with that. You put your finger on it. If they can do enough of this fear-mongering to enough of the voters they need to get them to the polls and vote for him because they're afraid Congress is going to turn over that way, they win. David Axelrod, who was chief strategist for Obama's uh, political campaign, well, he nailed it as far as I'm concerned. Here's what he said. With his deliberate racist outburst, Trump wants to raise the profile of his targets, drive Dems to defend them, and make them emblematic of the entire party. It's a cold, hard strategy. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It's all that wink and a nod racist thing. And it's all they're out to get you. Be afraid. You talked about it in the book. You've talked about it ever since. Be afraid of others. So the immigrants are out to get you. You know, the sad thing is that it works because you're you're appealing to people's lowest common denominator. You, you the fear mongering works, and people deny the reality. That's what's really funny to me. A lot of these people, they know people of minority descent. You know, they they'll have a racist white power meeting in a Mexican restaurant. And, and at no point realized, like they were doing that, at no point realized the irony of you're in a Mexican restaurant telling them to go back where they came from. Like what if they, if, if every ethnic group took their food back, what would we be left with? I wouldn't have anywhere to eat. So Trump went on, and this is classic Trump. Come back if you want, don't come back, it's okay too. But if you're not happy, you can leave. Now that's doublespeak. Actually, that makes no sense at all. But it works because Trump gives himself an escape valve. He adds a line or two, and it makes him sound more reasonable to his base. What it does, it sort of lets them justify their racism. Like, well, we said you go home, but you're welcome to come back. This doesn't even make sense. Come back if you want or don't come back. It's okay, but if you're not happy, you can leave. Can you imagine saying that to somebody at your front door? They would just stay there. They'd be like, what did you just say? It's... It's doublespeak, it is ridiculous, and unfortunately, it works. So, Speaker Pelosi said, make America white again. Let me tell you, that's a very racist, that's a very racist statement. I'm surprised she'd say that. The reporter's question was about this tweet from Nancy Pelosi. It went like this. When real Donald Trump tells four American congresswomen to go back to their countries, he reaffirms his plan to make America great again has always been about making America white again. That's what Pelosi said on Twitter. And she said, our diversity is our strength and our unity is our power. And this is the oldest, and in my opinion, the most childish trick in the book, deflection. You turn what they're calling you back on them, right? Trump does it all the time, but it's effective for Trump. This is the thing about that whole make America great again. From the start, every minority in America knew that they were using it as a a poorly cover code for make America white again. That's not news, but it also works for his base because when his base hears make America white again, they're like, yeah. That is great again. You know, to them, it's the same thing. And when Trump calls Pelosi a racist there, what he's doing is classic deflection. He's holding a mirror up, right? He's reversing it. He's also 
throwing this socialism thing out here, this communism thing out here, which is very scary to a lot of Americans, not just his base. And, of course, the Republicans ran with it. Trump made another couple of classic racist fear-mongering moves. Let's listen. I mean, I look at the one, I look at Omar. I don't know. I never met her. I hear the way she talks about al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda has killed many Americans. She said, you can hold your chest out. You can, when I think of America, huh? When I think of Al-Qaeda, I can hold my chest out. When she talked about the World Trade Center being knocked down, some people, you remember the famous some people? Uh, these are people that, in my opinion, hate our country. Now, you can say what you want, but get a list of all of the statements they've made. And all I'm saying that if they're not happy here, they can leave. They can leave, and you know what? I'm, I'm sure that there'll be many people that won't miss them. But they have to love, they have to love our country. They're Congress people. He's grasping at straws here. This is all really gobbledygook. He's taking a lot of stuff out of context. It isn't even true. But listen, he's using another age-old fearmonger's trick here. And that's why I want to point it out. He's recasting people who are critics of a president's policies as dangerous. They hate America. They bomb the Pentagon. No, they're just criticizing him. And this thing he's doing about love it or leave it, some of our older listeners may remember this. It's what was said about people who protested the Vietnam War. Love it or leave it. That was the big slogan. Well, the, the other big problem with this, and this is something I fault the press for, because when he stands up there and lies, they don't stop him and say, wait, that's not true. So what he's talking about when he talks about the the al-Qaeda puffing your chest out thing, she was describing a college professor she had. She didn't say she puffs her chest out when they say al-Qaeda. She said she had a college professor that did it. He left that part out. Now, when she said some people did something, that was a poor way to put it. She, it was a poor choice of words. What she was saying is basically don't lump me in or don't blame me forever for people who looked like me or people of the same descent or whatever, you know, committed the atrocity of 9-11. So anybody with any common sense knows what she's saying, and she, she worded it poorly. But again, I think this is where the reporters need to say, wait, well, well that's not true. They, they never do just simply say, that's not true, she didn't say that. I, I don't understand why reporters can't do that in the moment in the press conference as soon as he says this. Okay, okay, let's get back to uh, the presser and hear another little clip. And when you're hearing this, remember, he's talking about someone who came over here when she was 12. And in one case, you have somebody that comes from Somalia, which is a failed government, a failed state, who left Somalia, who ultimately came here, and now is a congresswoman who's never happy, says horrible things about Israel, hates Israel, Hates Jews. Hates Jews. You know, it's hard to imagine packing more fear in a single sentence than he just did. Fear by association. If you come from a, quote, failed state, you must be unstable yourself. And let me just say, as a Jew, leave us the hell out of this, okay? Deborah Lipstadt, who's a distinguished professor of Jewish history and Holocaust studies at Emory University, put it in polite terms, much more polite than I would, she told the Washington Post, quote, I was disturbed by the president's weaponization of people's indignation about anti-Semitism from some of these women 
and using it to cloud accusations of racism against him. And by the way, just for the record, as for that anti-Semitic Benjamins quote that Omar made and Trump keeps citing, well, soon after she tweeted that, she said, I unequivocally apologize unequivocally apologize. Can you imagine Trump ever saying that? Hell no, he just doubles down on everything. Well, he couldn't say unequivocally. (laughs) Literally, he could not say that word. This is why this would never, Trump would never even hear this because there are words in there, weaponization, indignation, unequivocally. He literally doesn't understand those words. He's He's not an educated, intelligent person. These words have too many syllables for him. The the other thing is, and this is what really bothers me about this. So you have a woman who came from Somalia with nothing when she was 12 years old, and now she's a United States Congresswoman. You know, that's an amazing American story. That literally is the American dream. Like, like if this was a white person from some poor, I don't know, Eastern European country or something like that, and, and was a Republican, she would be celebrated as the greatest, you know, they, they had the, the Haitian woman from Brooklyn, and I'm blanking on her name right now, but she became a congresswoman from Utah, right, and a Mormon, and she was great. It's all such BS. Unfortunately, it works. People have a very short memory, a very short attention span, and Trump is the master, the master of speaking in clips. That's what he does. Mia Love, Mia Love. Fortunately, we have people here. <laughs> who are right on top of things that I don't remember. But yeah, Mia Love is a Haitian woman from Brooklyn who became Mormon and became a congresswoman from Utah. And they celebrated that. They loved Mia Love because they, you know, it, this is is what we say in the black community because now they got a black one. And, and they also loved it. This was a thing with Barack Obama. When Barack Obama was president, if they could find a black Republican anywhere, they absolutely loved that because they wanted them to attack Barack Obama, hopefully they could attack in ways that that white people couldn't. You know, obviously it didn't work. But their problem is the wrong person did it. And that's why why they're all upset. So now you have to fear her because she is different. And and again, this is where I wish the, the reporters in the room would jump on this and just stop him and say, no, that's not true. This is the actual case. And, of course, what happens then is you lose your press credential. <laughs> All right. Let's, if your stomach can bear it, I think I can. Let, let's let's hear just a little more from that uh, press conference. If the Democrats want to wrap their bows around this group of four people, one of them kept Amazon out of New York, tens of thousands of jobs, would have been a great thing. And she kept Amazon from going, would have been a good deal. I mean, could he have made better? Maybe. But tens of thousands of jobs, and New York has not been the same since that happened. It's really hurt New York and New York City. Amazon was going to go. They were going to relocate a major section of their business in New York. She kept them out. That was a terrible thing she did. A terrible thing she did. Really here, I mean, Trump is going to criticize AOC for going after Amazon, the company who Trump vowed to, in his words, go after? I mean, you know, those were his exact words, go after. And do you remember his tweet accusing Amazon of hurting towns and cities across the country? And one of my all-time favorite tweets from Trump is this one. 
Is fake news Washington Post being used as a lobbyist weapon against Congress to keep politicians from looking into Amazon no-tax monopoly? (laughs) I'm going to jump in here really quick and uh, say that AOC has been proven right because where Amazon did move in Virginia, rents are going up just like she predicted because when you bring in an employer and they come in with money like that, that starts the gentrification process and pushes up the costs and pushes out the people who were living there. Here's the story. I see them complaining. They're complaining constantly. I watched Lindsey Graham today on Fox and Friends talking about uh, the same subject and frankly, uh, even stronger than what I'm saying. He said they're communists. I'm saying, I'm saying that They're socialists, definitely. As to whether or not they're communists, I would think they might be. But this isn't what our country is about. Nevertheless, they're free to leave if they want. And there you have another object lesson in how to fearmonger to cover your ass. He's saying others are worse than he is. So he's not that bad. And again, he's connecting Dems to communists and socialists, which is a crucial thing he's doing here. Suddenly, Democrats, including Nancy Pelosi, had to actively support the so-called squad which Republicans and Trump himself then promptly seized on to scaremonger about the entire Democratic Party and calling them socialists. How about we dig into that scary term socialist on next week's podcast and devote a little time to it? Yeah, we'll have to do that because it it is one more term that is just used to scare people. Oh, America is going to become a socialist country. Make no mistake about it, he was feeding Republican leaders in the House and Senate their talking points, which they've been using nonstop ever since. Instead of debating Trump's racism, they fear-mongered about their Democratic counterparts, calling them socialists and making them seem even scarier by claiming that the Dems were playing political games with all this. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said, quote, I believe this is about ideology. This is about socialism versus freedom. Well, you know, Trump can talk about communism because Putin's his best friend. So he would recognize it right away. Yeah, this this is something, though, that the Democrats can learn from the Republicans. Because, yeah, he will put out these talking points and they will just keep saying it. Democrats are socialists. Democrats are socialists. Democrats are communists. And they'll all say it. They won't. No one will will get off script, you know, and it'll be. Like you said, Fox and Friends, Fox News will continue it. It just reinforces those who believe it already. I don't think it changes anyone's mind. Any reasonable person is going to listen to this and be like, well, no, that's not right. That doesn't make sense. And and how far back does this go? Weren't the unions communist? Right. Weren't labor unions right. communist back in the day? Like It's funny, when Lindsey Graham brings up communism, the millennials have to look that up. You know, the Cold War has been over a long time. This this isn't the Reagan era. We're not fighting the communists anymore. They're like, wait, what? Communists? We I heard about that. My grandfather used to talk about them, didn't he? You know, it's it's ridiculous. Unfortunately, it works. Let's listen to how Trump ended this press event. If they're not happy with the United States, if they're doing nothing but criticizing us all the time, you see these people walking down criticizing the United States, we just hit... 27,000 plus on the Dow. It's the highest the stock market has ever been. And you have to go by the election because the market started going up the day after I won. You know, they like to add all of that tremendous gain. They like to try and give it to Obama. The fact is, if I would have lost, the stock market would crash. 
out of these people that I watch in those debates ever got their hands on the United States government, 401ks, the values of your company, everything else that we talk about we're so proud of, it's down the tubes. People will lose their money. They'll lose their wealth. You'll have a crash like you've never seen before. And I'm really good at this stuff. I know what I'm talking about. Thank you all very much. Thank you. In other words, be afraid. Be very, very afraid. Because if I'm not reelected, you're all going to starve to death. Not just the 600,000 or so Americans who are already homeless and the 40 million who are food insecure, which means that they lack consistent access to enough food, neither of which group, by the way, he's doing anything to help. Oh, and never mind that nearly half of Americans don't own stock anyway, and I mean either directly or through funds or 401ks or any other way. But Alonzo, to my mind, the biggest lesson about fear and Trump's attacks on the squad this week is this. He's doing a more extreme and racist version of what presidents before him have done. He's making it sound like people who have relatively little power are all powerful monsters who are destroying the world. Bill Clinton did it about teenage moms. He called them America's most serious social problem. These four congresswomen who Trump's going after, they don't have anywhere near the power and resources that Trump has. He can issue executive orders. He has the Senate. He nearly has the Supreme Court. And clearly, the Justice Department has no interest in going after him for any crime anyway. And on top of all that, he's obscenely wealthy. These congresswomen, on the other hand, have exactly four votes in the House, and they have modest incomes. The rich are getting richer, and, and the stock market and all of that, the stock market would have crashed if he didn't get elected. stock market was already growing. Everybody knows that. Anybody with any connection to reality knows that. So, Barry, it always comes down to this question, and you are the expert. Barry, I ask you, fear or fear not Trump's fear-mongering? Never fear or fear-monger. Don't let them manipulate you. That's why we're doing this special today. All they're going to do is make things up. They're going to manipulate you. They're going to mess with you. In the end, it usually doesn't matter a whole lot. Lots of presidents have done fear-mongering. It fades away after a while. So don't pay attention to them. Certainly don't let them make you afraid of them. Don't let them make you afraid at all, if you can help it. And show them up for what they are, liars and fear-mongers. Today is going to be a good day. Don't care what anybody else say. Oh, I don't need a fortune cookie to tell me. If you like what you heard, hell, even if you hated what you heard, hit the subscribe button and tune in every week. Give us a five-star review to help us rise on the charts. And as always, if you hear news stories that make your hair stand on end or they sound like someone is trying to fill you with fear, send them to us at fearnotofficial.com or tweet us at fearnotofficial. And we'll see if we can uh, find the truth. Let us know what you're scared of. Fear Not is a Stone & Company entertainment production hosted by Alonzo Bowden and Dr. Barry Glasner. Executive produced by Scott A. Stone. Produced and edited by Adam Everest. Written by Scott A. Stone, Barry Glasner, and Adam Everest. Alonzo writes stuff too. Don't believe him. Our sound engineer is David I. Legal Beagles, Loeb and Loeb. Crack accountants are 10 key accounting. Special thanks to Gary Brown, Betsy Amster, and Adam's imaginary girlfriend.